0: Go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to the book of John, John chapter 10. Last week, and I, I've got John 9 up there, it's John 10, that's my, my fault, John chapter 10. If you actually turn to that page, just go forward a couple pages, okay? John chapter 10. Last week, Brian started us off in John 10, and he always shares the truth with passion. I appreciate that. Um, and so as we get into this, um, understand this, we're going to be diverting from the book of John next week. And we're going to go into a holiday series beginning next Sunday, lasting through the end of Christmas time, And then we'll go back into John in the new year. Um, there are some, some things, you know, as we get close to the holidays, uh, some things we want to focus on in sharing about God's truth. And how do we handle stressful situations, anxious situations? How we jo- so joy and gratitude, hope, love? There's a lot of neat things that go on, and we want to focus on some of that. Uh, so we're, this is it for John for just a little bit. Okay, so John 10, hopefully you're there by now. Uh, this is an important story. And you're sitting there saying, and what story out of the Bible is not important, right? How many times have I said, this is one of my favorite verses, and you're like, you say that about every verse. Well, maybe I have 2,343 favorite verses. You never know, right? So this is an important story, though, because this is the last discourse, the last teaching moment by Jesus that John records in his book before his final weeks and final days, and so it's sort of like, I'm going to give you one more powerful sermonette story before everything starts unfolding on my final weeks and days. So he shares this message, and he brings attention to it. And he starts off by saying, I tell you the truth. And some scripture references, translations say, truly, truly. So again, when you hear that truly, truly, or I'm telling you the truth, basically Jesus is saying, hey, listen up. This is incredibly important. So let's look at John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the shepherd, of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, Jesus says, hey, this is important. I tell you the truth. Heads up here. Listen up. And he gives us this picture of the hired hand, the thief, the sheep, the shepherd, the sheep hold, the pen at their end. It gives us this beautiful imagery here, right? But look what it says in verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Like, what do you mean you don't understand what he meant? You are all living in a time when you can look over to your left or your right and you're going to see sheep or you're going to see a shepherd or you're going to see a sheep hold. This is very common imagery right now. How come you're not getting this? That'd be like me getting up here in front and saying, hey, yesterday I drove up to McDonald's and I went to the drive-thru and I went to order a happy meal for my five-year-old. Don't have a five-year-old. But if I did, you guys, would, all right away, you've got the picture, right? You can see it happening. That's what's happening here. But for some reason, it just didn't click with them in understanding. I mean, these people knew shepherds. They knew of Moses. They knew of David and how he was a shepherd. They knew that good kings were compared to good shepherds and bad kings compared to bad shepherds in Scripture. They knew that we are described as sheep and all sheep have gone astray. We've done our own thing. So they know Old Testament Scriptures. They had heard it read in the temple and they would know all of this. But for some odd reason, it wasn't clicking. They would have thought about, okay, there's a sheep hole. There's there's a place where our sheep are going to go at night. Out in the countryside, it may have been just a a bunch of rocks piled up and made walls. In town, it would have been maybe a little bit more nicer of a a sheep hole. It could have been a cave. But they would have rounded or herded their sheep into this area, and then the shepherd probably would have then put himself in front of it because there was no gate. The shepherd became the gate in which they would go in and out of. So you can sort of picture in your mind what this would have looked like for that shepherd to stand in the sheepfold and for the sheep to be in there. And here's the thing, as was well put last week, there could have been more than one shepherd and more than two or three flocks of sheep. You might have gotten your sheep in, and then comes another shepherd with his sheep, and then the next thing you know, you've got a mixture going on. But when that shepherd is ready to leave, he calls them by name, he makes a sound, some kind of... Maybe he has a musical instrument or his voice. He calls him out, and those sheep, they know him by voice and they come out. They follow. Again, Brian did a great job sharing all that last week. Now, however, maybe they see the imagery. They hear Jesus share this. They didn't understand the point of the story. So look with me in verses 7 to 9. Jesus shares a little bit more. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and we'll all find good pasture. So in this scripture, he's like, okay, you're not understanding this, you're not guessing. Let me explain. Let me just say this. I'm gonna do another I am statement. Basically, is what Jesus is saying. I want to help you understand who I am. Because I, I'm the gate. And now this starting to maybe understand and click a little bit more, but what he 's saying is, "Listen, I am the access point to God. The only way to God is through Jesus. Now this is where people in the world today look at Christianity, they look at us Christians and they say, "You are such narrow minded people. you're bigots. You think you know it all it 's all about you." And I'm sitting there going, it's all about God's Word. And God's Word says, there's only one way. Jesus is the gate. He is the access to God. Some people go on and say, well, there's a lot of ways to God. Who gives you the right as a Christian to say there's one way? There's many ways to God. Matter of fact, we're all God's children. Tell me, please, where does it say that in Scripture? Scripture. It doesn't, but it sounds good, doesn't it? We know this is what Scripture says. Scripture says that we were all created in God's image, but that doesn't make us his children. John 1, 12 makes it pretty clear, if you're still not sure about this, where Jesus says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. There's your children of God. Those who believe and accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Jesus went on to say, John 14, 6, which we'll hopefully get to there sometime, maybe next April or May. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except what? Through me. So no, it isn't the Christians who are narrow-minded or bigots or whatever you want to call them. We're just being obedient to truth. Truth is Jesus saying, I'm the gate. Nobody gets access to the Father except through me. You see, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one goes under the Father except through me. The Word of God makes it very clear there's only one way to God in salvation, and salvation, that's Jesus. But that, as soon as he says that, he goes this. He goes, I'm also the good shepherd. The good shepherd, what's that? Look at verse 11. He goes, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. But then he repeats in verse 14. He goes, says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, they know me. Well, what do we mean by good? Now, understand this about the role of the shepherd. Uh, they were very independent people. They had long hours. They had to be out in the worst of conditions. It was a very tiring job, and during the day it was very hot, and at night could be very cold, and it was very lonely, because you're out there with who? Sheep. Interesting conversations between you and sheep, I'm sure, right? There had to be a commitment there. There had to be some perseverance going on there. But see, some shepherds were in it for the money. They didn't care what happened to the sheep. As long as I got my pay. They were a hired hand. They weren't committed. They weren't hard workers. And here's the thing about sheep, and it was so well expressed last week with the mascots, okay? Sheep are not the exactly the most ferocious of animals. They don't have claws, they don't growl, they don't attack. That's why they're horrible mascots, right? If I'm a Chicago fan, I'm cheering for the Bears because the Bears sound mean. But the Cubs, I'm a Cub fan, but it's hard to cheer for a cuddly little creature. I like it more mature and angry, like a bear. Okay, sheep. Really, they're not gross. so when they're att- they will be attacked. They're not the attackers. They will be attacked. And the shepherd, if he's a good shepherd. Will defend those sheep. But the bad shepherd, whatever. Hey, Mr. Bear. Hey, Mr. Lion. Go ahead. <laughs> Take that sheep. I'm not going to fight you for it. Right? Shepherds would be selfish. Maybe they would run away. Hired hand doesn't care. So a good shepherd was protective, caring, and strong. The good shepherd, then again, is committed. The good shepherd is protective. The good shepherd lays down his life. And that's, again, was expressed. And look at these verses four times, Jesus tries to make it clear to his listeners that he's the good shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd, what? Sacrifices his life for his sheep. Then he says again, in verse 15, just the father knows me and I know the father, what? So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Verse 17, the father loves me because what? I sacrifice my life So I can take it back up again. Verse 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and to take it back up again. That is what my father has commanded. See, the good shepherd voluntarily gives up his life and sacrifices. Jesus says, not only am I the gate, the way to God, the only way to God, I've sacrificed my life for you. I'm a good shepherd. I won't run away. I will protect you. I will watch over you. I will care for you. I will sacrifice my life for you. In John chapter 19, Jesus is standing before Pilate. And he says, he says you know, that Pilate has this conversation because Pilate is like demanding things. And Pilate actually says, don't you realize I have the power to release you? or crucify you. And look what Jesus said. He says, you have no power over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Jesus like, you have the power to crucify me or release me? No, God does. And we gave it to you. I'm volunteering my life to you right now, Pilate. And before that all took place, rewind back a little bit further in the garden of Gethsemane, When Jesus is about ready to be arrested and Peter, one of his faithful disciples, pulls out a sword and whacks off the ear of one of the priests that come out to get him. Jesus, what, picks up the ear like, come on, Peter, really? Pops that ear back on, incredible miracle. Right Right then and there, everybody should have been like, ooh, he is the Messiah, right? But no. But it's in that moment, Jesus turns to Peter and he says this, put away your sword. He says, those of you who use the sword die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them immediately. But if I did, how would the scripture be fulfilled that describe what must happen? Don't you love it? Jesus like, listen, listen, listen. I can bring in thousands of angels right now. Matter of fact, if you remember in scripture, Jesus, when they came to arrest me, he said, who are you looking for? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And when he said, I am he, they all fell down hundreds of them just by him saying, I am he, right? How cool is that? And in that moment, he says, put away your sword, Peter. Don't you know I can call thousands of angels? I don't even have to call them. I can do it myself. But I could call thousands of angels. But I'm voluntarily sacrificing my life. The point is, Jesus is the good shepherd who sacrifices for us. And so you think about this as he's saying this to all these religious leaders and these people who are gathered around, what do you think their response is going to be? I mean, he just said, guys, you didn't understand what I was saying? Listen, I'm the gate. I'm the only way to God. I'm a good shepherd. I sacrificed my life for you. Well, it goes on. Well, if we read into scripture, verse 19, it says, when he said these things, the people were, again, divided among their opinions of him. Yeah, we knew that was coming, right? Someone goes, oh, he's demon-possessed. He's out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Verse 21. Others said, this man doesn't, uh, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Because remember, John 9, he just opened the eyes of a blind man. They're divided. And again, as I've shared with you before, I'm going to share it again. People are divided. You can put them into whatever categories you want to put them into. But people are divided into three different groups. Well, at least we'll come up with three categories for now. There's probably more. But there's those people who just don't believe. Or they won't believe. Then there are other people who do believe, theoretically in mind, I believe that there's a God. You know, there's a lot of people in America right now, oh, we believe there's a God, but that's as far as it goes. They don't live it out. Then there's a third category. There's people who believe in mind and heart, and they will, and they live it out. I follow him. See, there's people are all over the board. and where, where are you at this morning? You know, like I said, John is writing that we may know that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God, that we may believe in him, and that we may bear witness. That's why John wrote the gospel, right? And Jesus is making it clear, listen, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gate. And people are like, ah, I believe. I don't believe. Well, I believe and I'm going to follow him, right? All over the place. Now, check out what happens. Look at verse 21 and 22. In between 21 and 22, there's a little time passage. It's in verse 22, it says, It's now winter. Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah. He was at the temple walking through the section on the Solomon's colonnade. The Jewish leaders surrounded him and said... How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, I'll give you a little history here of what happened. In between 21 and 22, there's, some people believe there could have been like maybe two months period in between, in between there. So there's a little stretch of time period and now it's the time of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And what, basically what that is all about is that years before, about 300 BC, around that, be a little before that, um, a guy by the name of Anicus Epiphanes, king of Syria, came and invaded Israel and, and he attacked Jerusalem. He instituted a reign of terror on the city of the Jews, or the Jews of the city, I'm sorry. He stole millions of money out of uh, the this temple treasury. He created laws that stifled Jewish worship. He turned the temple into a house of prostitution. He took pigs and brought them into the temple and slaughtered them on the altar. He burnt offerings to the Greek god Zeus. And under Antiochus, he also basically murdered, or he did murder 80,000 Jews and put the same number of Jews in slavery. Bad news, right? So that's going on in history. That's around 300 BC. But then on about 164, later on um, comes a guy by the name of Judas Maccabees. And he puts an end to all that. They basically rise up and recapture the city in the name of God. And during that whole time, what happens when the temple was refortified? People came back and they retook the temple, they found a seven branch candle. You seen those Hanukkah candles? Okay. So the seven branch candle they found and one flask of oil, just enough oil to keep them burning for a day. And so they in rededicating the temple, they started the candles burning. In the meanwhile, in order to properly do things, you had to get new oil, which was a process of uh, getting the right mixture and then dedicating it to the Lord, consecrating it as being holy. And then you could burn it. It'd be about seven, eight days. That candle had enough oil to burn one day, but it miraculously burned for eight days until the new oil was ready. Thus the celebration. Now, with all that in mind, understand Antiochus was a bad king, a bad shepherd. And there were people who worked in the temple that were considered bad shepherds. So with that in mind, Jesus is walking in and like, hey, so are you really the Messiah or not? What's going on here? And Jesus is like, let me refer to something I shared with many of you a couple months ago, okay? A little while ago, you're not my sheep, so you won't listen to me. So if, you, if you listen to me, you're my sheep and you'd understand everything I've said, but, but you, you aren't listening to me. And they took some offense to that. Absolutely. But that's what's going on here in this point in time. And I'm going to pause and ask you this. What if that were you? It's been a while since you heard the sermon. Jesus walks in and said, you see him, he's like, hey, are you really Jesus? And he's like, do you really care? I mean, if I told you I was Jesus, would you really believe me? Would, would you follow me? Because some of you won't believe me. Some of you will believe, but you're not going to do anything about it. And some of you will believe, and you will follow where you're at. Jesus says, listen, if, if you are my sheep, here's what's going to look like. Turn in your scriptures, uh, in your Bible, to verses 27, John 10, 27. It says here, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. So let's, let's focus on the role of the sheep here using this scripture. First of all, there is the sheep has relationship with the shepherd. They listen to the voice. I know them as you read here in verse 27, right? or tw- Yeah, 27. They recognize, and here's the thing, if you have a relationship with somebody, you recognize their voice. They call you up on the phone, and you start talking, it's like, I know this person, and you have that conversation. How many of you, you don't recognize the number, you don't answer, right? But you still might, because it might be somebody you know, and they change numbers, and they start talking, like, I do not know this voice, and it's probably telemarketer, right? Okay? Actually, we don't do that anymore, do we? That's, how do I do that stuff? So we do that. Okay, so we recognize the voice so when we start talking to them, we have a conversation. Now, some of you, you can't wait to talk to somebody. Whether you might even Skype them, you might Zoom, you might do something. Where now it's like, I don't really want to just hear their voice. I want to see their face and hear their voice. And we look forward because we have a relationship with them, right? You can't discern the instructions of the shepherd Unless you know the shepherd. If you don't have a relationship with the shepherd Jesus Christ, how do you know what he wants you to do? How do you know where he wants you to go? If you have no idea what the voice of God sounds like, or how to listen to God, or or, I don't know, then what's your relationship like with him? I've told you a story many years ago about a caving story I had, and basically we went in one side of the mountain and came out the other side of the mountain. It was four hours to go through, one mile long. There's all kinds of scary things that took place in that cave, from, from infinity crawl to tight squeezes to a water passage we had to go through. And, and that whole time, and I was in there, especially when I was in that infinity crawl, which is basically 11 inches of space on my belly for 45 minutes crawling, I am sitting there thinking, am I going to die? And I made all kinds of promises to God, right? But there was one moment when I sat there and thought, wait a minute. The guy that's leading us right now, his name is Mike, and Mike is a friend of mine. See, if you've got a friendship with somebody, a relationship with somebody, you trust them, right? If you trust somebody, you that relationship with them, then they're not going to take you somewhere to die. I thought about this. Well, Mike's my friend. I can trust him. Here's the thing. He will never take me somewhere where that I cannot go. But he may take me somewhere I might get stuck for a little bit, but he will help me finish off and get out of there. I believe the same way Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to have a relationship with you to dump you somewhere. He wants to have a relationship with you to lead you somewhere. And you can trust Him. Here's the thing. If there's a lack of trust, you won't go where you need to go. If you don't trust Jesus, you won't go where He he wants you to go. If there's a lack of knowing the voice, you won't know what voice to listen to. Wouldn't it be nice? Sometimes we're trying to discern, is this the voice of God or is this my own personal? Is it... Do you ever get in a moment? Wouldn't it be nice if you heard the voices like this? It's like, I'm the devil, Rex. This is what I'm, Wouldn't it be nice if he sort of introduced himself like, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm the devil, I'm the bad guy, and I want you to do this? And you can, then you could say, okay, don't need to listen to that voice. And then, then it'd be a lot easier too if God was like, hi, Rex, this is God. I'm sure he does not sound like that. But then you're like, hey, all right, it's God, cool. But because we don't know, something's like we got to discern the voice. Here's the thing. Satan will never come out and sound ugly. Never will. He will always disguise himself as something good. He will always trick you and fool you into thinking, sounds good, could be God. Is it line up with what God's word says? If it doesn't, it's not God. Understand, he will never ask you to do something that's not in his will. I don't know if you remember the day when you ask Christ to come into your life, you acknowledge your sin, and you pray to him and say, I'm sorry, forgive me, come into my life. You may not remember that exact day, that moment, but your relationship began with God at that moment. And in that moment in time, since then, I'm sure all of you, at one point in time, has heard him speak to you again. Maybe in a still, small voice. Maybe as you're reading scripture and it's like, you know, God just, the Spirit just speaks to you. It's like, yeah. Some of you like, here in the front row, you're at camp. You know when God spoke to you. Maybe in, the, in creation, like a sunset or sunrise, you feel like God's talking to you. It's like, wow. When you see mountains, you see ocean, you're like, you feel like God's just saying something to you, right? Maybe in a song, a prompting, you knew it was from God. Here's the thing. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can't hear him. But once you hear him, here's the second role of the sheep. You follow him. Sheep follow their shepherd. If you recognize his voice, you follow. If you don't recognize his voice, you don't follow. 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 to 6 says this. If someone claims, I know God, but he doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar, is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Hey, I'm following the shepherd. How can I tell? By the way I live. Last week, Brian said, I would share with you the role of the sheep. You basically dictated my message for me today. It's like, okay, I got to talk about the role of the sheep, which we're doing right now. Okay. Do you remember what else he told me I was going to do this week? Hey, maybe Rex ought to play follow the leader, Simon Says. So we're going to play. Hey, he started it. I'm going to finish it. So what are we are going to do? We're going to play Simon Says. Here's the way the game Simon Says is played if you've never played before. I'm going to give you instruction. I'm going to say, Simon Says, raise your left hand or right hand or something. Whatever I say, you've got to do it. If you don't do it, you're out. Okay? Now, if I don't give the words Simon Says and I say raise your right hand and you raise your right hand, you're out because Simon didn't say Everybody follow me? Got it? Good? All right, let's do it. Here we go. Simon says, raise your left hand. You're not all playing. Okay, you're not all playing. Hands down. Put your hands down. You're all out except one, okay? Because Simon didn't say, put your hand down. I like, gotcha. Oh, that's... Man, you guys. That was pathetic. Let's try it. It'll be better if we stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Yep. Yeah. Now, again, half of you are out because Simon didn't say stand up. Simon says, sit down. Man, got you again. Wow. You guys are horrible at this game. Man, okay. So, okay, we won't play the game because you guys aren't any good. So, um, if we did play the game, I'd say, Simon says, raise your left hand. Simon says, put your left hand down. Simon says, raise your right hand. Put your right hand down. Oop, I'm out, right? Some people would still keep their hand up because they were listening. Then I would say, Simon says, take your right hand and and with your thumb and your finger, make a circle. Simon says, put that circle on your chin. And I'll do this. And at that point in time, what happens? Everybody almost goes out. You know why? This is my cheek. It's not my chin. See, they were listening, but they weren't following. That's when we get in trouble with God. Sometimes we listen. We just don't follow. And he's like, didn't Jesus just say? And then Jesus just do? See, so we got to hear his voice, but we also have to follow him. The role of a sheep is to do those things. Here's the third thing. Sheep possess uh, basically an insurance of salvation, which gives us confidence. Now, when we are saved, we're saved from destruction. We're saved from separation from God. We're saved from a lot of bad things, right? Can we lose our salvation, though? Ooh. That's a tough question, right? seems to be debated sometimes amongst Christians and maybe pastors and even theologians might debate about this one. Uh, maybe you know somebody who's prayed and as time passes, it's like, man, they are not acting like a Christian anymore. Are they saved? Maybe they lost their salvation. Here's, here's, here's what I'm going to say. I don't, my answer is this. I don't think so. I'm going to tell you why. Okay? Here's why. promise of God is salvation. It's a promise. And it's not conditional. When you look at verse 20, it says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand because the Father and I are one. Now, if you look at this, it says, if God gave, God gave something that's eternal and never perishes. Those are the very three words, strong words that are definite to me. It's a promise, and he backs up the promise With another phrase. And that is this. No one can snatch them away from me. Do you ever try to take something from Jesus? I mean, if Jesus was standing up here and he had a ring pop in his hand, and I'm thinking, hey, Jesus, nice ring pop. Oh, got it. Too slow, Jesus. Right? Okay, first of all, I wouldn't do that, okay? And I'd suggest nobody else do that. But here's the second thing. Do we really think we're faster than Jesus? (laughs) No. We're like, you got it. It's like, what happened? Um, Jesus like, it's already in his mouth. It's gone. Right? You, you, there's no way. There's, there's no way. I cannot snatch them away from Jesus. And do you think he's weak? Or strong? If even if I, if even I was quick enough to get my hands on that ring Bob, do you think I could really grip it and rip it out of his hand? No. I don't think so. Salvation is a gift from God, and I can't take that out of his hand. I, I did not earn salvation. You did not earn salvation. We are not good with God because of our good works. That's, those are works, no. We didn't earn it by our works. We can't lose it by our works either. Pastor Tim Keller said this, if you didn't earn your salvation, how can you unearn it? No doubt. No doubt. Listen, very carefully this. Because there's this, this secondary policy, and I just underlined it up there. No one can snatch him from the Father's hand as well, because the Father and I are one. A little double assurance there. Now, I I get it. Some people, like they they, it seems like they fall away from their faith. Maybe they act like they no longer care. They stop believing. I'm going to tell you something. Just like any sheep that decides to leave the sheepfold with the shepherd and go out on its own, that sheep is now no longer under the protection of the shepherd. So can danger hit them? Absolutely. I can choose to, you know what? I don't want to do this Christian thing anymore. I've fallen away from the protection of my Savior. But I'm still his sheep. Let me um, help you understand the goodness of God here because there are consequences to walking away from God and walking out of his protection, but our salvation is based on God's goodness, not mine. So I'm going to need Mike uh, Fogarty to come up here. So, Mike, come on up. Oh, let's go. Uh, Jeff, why don't you come on up here, too? You're going to help me out. Oh, let's see. Uh, let's go with Malachi. Come on up here. All right. So, guys, come over here a little bit. So, I got uh, my stone in my pocket, my cross on it, okay? We're going to pretend this is me, it's my life, okay? We're going to pretend that you are Jesus Christ and that you are God, okay? And we're going to pretend that you are a thief, a robber, okay? So, we all getting a picture from the scripture here? Why is everybody laughing about you being a thief and a robber? I thought they would have laughed about these guys being Jesus and God. Okay, so so I give my life to Jesus Christ. No one can snatch that out of his hand. I've given my life to Christ. Anybody want to try to pry it out of Mike's hand? I see some head shaking now. But here's the cool thing. Now you two go ahead and hold hands. So, yep, there you go like that. Now we got the second part of the scripture, right? The Father and I are one. The Spirit binds them, right? My life is in the hands of Jesus Christ and God the Father, And no one can try to snatch that out of their hand. Now, the thief and the robber will try to come and try to pry that out of there. But, oh, wait a second. Before you try, this hand is free. That hand is free. Do you really want to try to pry that out of their hand right now? Good answer. Good answer. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. See, Jesus shares with us that he is, hopefully that gives you a good picture. Because a lot of times I think, as, as a sheep, um, I have, sometimes I have listening problems, sometimes I have following problems, sometimes I have confidence problems. I doubt whether or not God still loves me. I hope that picture reminds you that no one can snatch you away from him. Be confident in that truth. Okay, And when Jesus shares all this, that he's the gate and he's the good shepherd, and those who believe on him are his sheep, that we have this relationship with him, it's pretty incredible. But when he gets it done with this discourse, do you know what happens next? You're going to have to read on your own through scripture. But they pick up stones once again in verse 31. It's like... We don't like what you're saying, Jesus. They pick up stones; they're going to kill him again. Matter of fact, then it goes on a couple verses later, as he says something else, referring back to a psalm, they tried to arrest him in verse 39. It's like, we want to kill you, now we're going to arrest you. But it says he got away and he left them, and he went to the Jordan River, the place, this is great, the place where he was first baptized. He escaped everything that was going on around him, and it's like, boom, I'm back where it all started, where I started my ministry. And he's surrounded by a bunch of people. And it says, and many there believed in him. They got alone with the shepherd. Church, let me ask you again. I got to keep this clear. What do you believe? Do you believe or not? And if you believe, is it just up here in your mind, theoretically? Or do you believe it or are you living it out? John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it abundantly. What does that mean? Abundant eternal life? We're not talking about prosperity here. Under the shepherding, there is a provision. Under the shepherding, there is protection. Under the shepherd, there is hope and peace and love and joy. Not just material. Somebody's like, oh, I'm going to have an abundant life. I'm going to get all the material stuff. This is going to be excellent, right? I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. Now listen, if somebody's telling you that, they're a liar and a thief. You know, in verse 8 and 10 it says the thief and the robber. The thief, the Greek word is kleptis, which is where we get the word kleptomaniac. It's like a shoplifter's come to take things. And then the word for robber is a different Greek word. And that word that is used is leptos, which means to take by violence or force. So see, the thief may come and the robber may come. Maybe they may try to violently take something from you and they may just try to sneak it away from you. That's what The enemy does. But Jesus said, I've come to give life, and I've given it abundantly. Listen, the the enemy's a liar. The enemy says, if you buy this and buy that and buy this and buy that, guess what? Life is good, right? No, it isn't. I want to share with you what Pastor Don Cousins said, and he he said it really, really well. I'll put it up on the screen here. He says, you can have a house, and you can... Throw out the phrase have and put buy if you want. You can buy, you can have a house, but not a home. You can have pleasure, but not satisfaction. You can have a bed, but not a good night's rest. You can have books, but not wisdom. You can have a church building, but not a church. You can have happiness, but not joy. You can have power, but not respect of others. You can have political influence, but not a following. You can have a crucifix, but not a savior. See, money can buy you all these things, but it doesn't give you what you really need. Oh, just because you can buy a nice bed doesn't give you a good night's rest. Just because you buy all these things doesn't give you the peace that you need. And Jesus says, Listen, I can give you what really matters. So, do you have a relationship with the shepherd? Are you listening to him? Are you following him? Are you confident in your position in him? I wrote this on my hand. I was asking for, do you got a pen? Because we were singing the song, no power of hell, no scheme of man can pluck me from his hand. And I had to write that down and remember because I wanted to remind you, we just sang it. Do you believe it? Friday night about nine o'clock, we got a phone call from hospice. And um, they called to let us know that Brenda Farnsworth had passed away. So Jenny and I drove over to Brenda's house <clears throat> and her family was there. And um, we went in the house and Brenda's body was, was still there in, in uh, like a, one of the rooms and we were gathered around and um, there was obvious sorrow. Um, her body that had been uh, for years riddled in, in pain, is now gone. Her body had been healed. She's now in the presence of God. And, and the family had this hope, and this peace, and this love, and this joy that was unexpressible. And as more family members came in, and we talked, and we started to laugh, and we shared, and we prayed, and, and, and there was a lot of laughter then, and a lot of smiles, because they knew she's not in pain anymore. She's in the presence of God. And and the hospice worker looked around and just like, you can see the love here. That that hospice worker maybe didn't know everybody where they stood in their faith, but it was evident then. You see, pain had been swallowed up by the love of God. And it was an amazing thing. And that's, that's what the good shepherd does. To bring hope in those moments of despair, to bring peace and to bring some joy. That's what the good shepherd does. Do you know the good shepherd church? Do you know him? Listen, we need him. That's the worship team to come forward. We need a good shepherd because we tend to go astray, don't we? we? We tend to think we're in control. We like to do things our way, right? As I was driving home the other day, and I heard this on the radio, and I couldn't believe it. It was within like a maybe two, maybe three-minute span I was listening to the news, and one story after another story after another story after another story, and I'm sitting here driving, we need a, we need a shepherd. We really need a shepherd. I, I'm listening, and like, oh, singer and songwriter Ellie Goulding, who's going to be doing a halftime performance on Thanksgiving at the NFL game with the Dallas Cowboys, now says she's not going to sing at halftime unless the Salvation Army, which Salvation Army is a Christian ministry, makes a very dominant or predominant and strong uh, donation to the LGBTQ community. Otherwise, I'm not going to sing. I'm like, don't. I'll sing. you probably never have another halftime show again in your life. But, And then right after that story, then another story comes on in Kentucky, Uh, The so-and-so gentleman, I won't mention his name, finally got the license plate he wanted that says, I'm God. He is an atheist, and he had the ACLU and freedom from religion fight with him so he could get I'm God on his license plate to tell everybody I'm an atheist, and I want to let you know that I'm God. And I'm like, and then the next story, another school shooting in California. I was like, turn, turn it all. We need a shepherd, don't we? We don't need a great political leader. We don't need a great musician. We don't need a great entertainer. We don't need a motivational speaker to fire us up. You know what we need? We need a savior. We need a good shepherd. Church, do you know him? Do you know him? Would you stand, please? We have a great shepherd. He wants to lead us in victory. The question is, will you follow him? Will you follow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now just saying, you are an awesome God. As we look in the scripture and we just learn about the sheep and the shepherd and our role as sheep, yeah, it's pretty simple. We just need to listen and follow. It's that trust and obey. Listen, and follow. And when we want to give up, we need to remember the assurance that we have. No power of hell, no scheme of man. Can pluck us from your hand. We sang it. I believe it. I know this world is not easy, Lord. And there's a lot of troubling times, and that's why we read in Scripture that you, our good shepherd, lead us beside the still waters in our troubling times. So God, thank you for being an incredibly good shepherd. God, help us to be obedient sheep love you, Lord. We want to sing to you now and give you all the praise. In our name we pray.